Hi everyone, and welcome to The Human Behind the Screen. And I'm your host, Shauna Morin. The ways in which we work and scale workforces are changing. No longer are we reliant on physical locations in order to operate as a business or a team. And this shift in building teams and companies is coming rapidly. And businesses are being forced to adapt to what they've always done for years. But what does this mean for the humans behind the screen? How do we bring back that human connection when we primarily work online? In this podcast, we'll be speaking to leaders and experts all over the world to dissect what makes businesses successful at remote working. We'll be discussing the importance of human connection, emotional intelligence, and relationships in an ever-changing virtual world. So today I'm delighted to welcome on Brian Crook. He is the founder of Workplace Wellbeing Ireland. Wellbeing is a topic that I find myself talking about so much more as we look at remote working and people that work online. And Brian is is truly an expert in his field around workplace well-being and what actually that involves. So Brian is a well-being educator, he's a speaker, and he advises and supports a lot of Irish organizations to promote and sustain well-being within their workplaces. So I'm really delighted to have Brian here. How are you, Brian? Welcome to the show. I'm great, Shauna. Really good, thanks. And thank you so much for the invitation to be on the show. Of course, I am so excited to dive in today and talk a little bit more about what workplace well-being actually means. But first of all, where in the world are you right now? Are you based in Dublin? I'm in Dublin, yeah. I'm in Dublin. A little bit damp and dreary there this morning, but I've already I've already got my gym session done. It's um had my breakfast, brought my daughter to school and um yeah, ready to start the day and looking forward to the podcast. Great. So you you work from home as well, right? I try and work from home as much as possible as I work for myself. So certainly flexible working is really important. I'm fairly close to Dublin city centre and, you know, there's great commuting options. So when I do have meetings or deliveries that are central, I can I can hop on a train and I try and schedule my week around maybe two to three days where I'm working centrally and then at least two days two days where I'm working from home mm, just to get out and about that's important for you absolutely yeah. yeah there there is a learning curve when you start to work from home yourself around what works for you and finding the best routines and and the schedules whether that is getting out to a coffee shop you know a co-working space having meetings or you know choosing to work from home on certain days but tell us how did you get into the well-being space sure yes so my my background is actually in in it so i was a management consultant for a large firm for about 10 years so as i like to say now i'm a recovering management consultant (laughs) Um, during that time i I was always into health and fitness so I, i played a lot of football i actually managed company football team I set up the, the five-sided lunch times. We had a, a running group as well that I set up. But e- even with all of that, I was still struggling to keep my head above water from a, from a health and well-being perspective. It was a stressful job, a lot of deadlines. We were client-facing, so we were always in the front line with that. And, and as I said, I kept my head above water, but a lot of, a lot of colleagues, friends I saw develop bad habits uh, and so in some cases uh, develop some serious ill health. I just knew this this couldn't be the way it was supposed to be. Like, you know, we can't be 
doing this to ourselves on a consistent basis. So I started researching the area. I started re-educating myself at night, mainly in the area of physical activity initially. So uh, I became a personal trainer, gym instructor, and all those qualifications, including uh, sports nutrition as well. But then I also I came across an organization called WellCOA. So they're the Wellness Council of America. And they've been in operation for over 30 years. And what they do is they promote well-being in the workplace across uh, U.S. organizations. So they have some very interesting online courses, online certifications. So I became a member, took all the courses, found it really, really interesting. And off the back of that, I set up, I created a blog. It was called officeworkerhealth.com. And I was still working in a corporate world, but I was blogging, blogging by night. And again, continuing the research and the education. And as it, would, as it would turn out, I was offered voluntary redundancy from my corporate role. So I took that and I, uh, I decided to turn the blog into a business. So I've gone, I've gone full time for the last couple of years in that space. And what's your intention with the work that you do around well-being? What's the, what's the mission? So it's, it's to, to bring well-being to Irish workplaces, to show Irish organizations what well-being in the workplace really is. And that it's not a, it's not a quick fix. It's not a celebrating well-being on one day of the year. It's, it's a long-term committed program of activities. It's a continuous improvement process where you look to make a workplace as healthy as a, and supportive as it can be for the people that work there. Mm, love it. Define well-being, workplace well-being in particular. How would you define that or what are the, the categories that fit into workplace well-being? What are the things we should be looking at? Yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose it's anything that an organization can do to support the well-being of their employees. Traditionally, it would have been seen as physical activity classes. And, you know, that's fine. That's certainly a part of it. But it, it can also include you know, the built environment. So you, if you have comfortable relaxation, uh, relaxation spaces, perhaps, uh, and all the way through to policies and procedures. And, and a, a perfect example of that actually would be something like a flexible working policy. So there's many facets to well-being. And, and the first thing I would say about well-being in the workplace is, and when I do work with organizations, I will never, ever tell an organization what they need. They have to tell me what they need. And they do that through uh, listening to their, to their people, to their employees. And that might be through surveys. It might be through focus groups. But it's, it's gathering data and it's listening to the well-being needs of that particular organization. Because every organization is different. And all the, the people in each organization are different. So they will have different wants and needs. So the, you know, the yoga class in one location might be fine, but it might be, again, flexible working might be something that's, mm. that's in demand in, in, a, in a different place. So that's, that's the first protocol is to listen to the employee needs. Mm. And it seems like there's a lot of need out there for flexible working, especially in Ireland, you know, in Dublin city center, I read yesterday that, um Irish people on average spent nine hours in their car last year commuting to work. And that's only that's only driving a vehicle. That's not, you know, trains, the Lewis, buses, walking. The commute is just getting more and more tedious as time goes on, as congestion <laughs> rises. And I think people are really just exhausted. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And it is, it is great to see the 
the growth of flexible working and more organizations embracing it. Um, I guess we're not there yet, but it's certainly a really valid option for a lot of organizations that have that ability for uh, employees to work from home when they can. And it leads to such a, an improvement in, in, I guess, morale as well amongst employees. If they know, if they, know they have a, you know, a decent community ahead, ahead of them, at least if there's one day perhaps or maybe even two days where they don't have that, where they can dedicate it to maybe it's, maybe it's spending a little bit more time in bed, maybe it's spending a little bit more time with the family in the morning, maybe it's getting a gym session in, but it's just an increase in that quality of life that is small enough, but it's, it's significant at the same time. Like, honestly, I've, I've worked remotely now for six, seven years. And, you know, I've traveled a lot in between that in different jobs. But even I said to my, my boyfriend last week, you know, I, I cook home cooked meals most days. I go to the gym. I do a bit of yoga. And I said to him, how, how do people actually cook proper meals when they're working until and commuting until six, seven, eight p.m. at night? You know, how do they even fit in a gym session, you know, when their whole day is spent commuting, going to work, commuting? And I was like, wow, I'm so grateful that I can build this lifestyle because I know for me personally that that is equally as important as doing the work. You know, that's the stuff that's going to sustain me, the exercise, the mindfulness, the yoga. And I've had to learn that through not doing that, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. I've had to learn the hard way, um, which I think a lot of people do when it comes to, to well-being. I feel like some people, most people take it seriously when they haven't taken it seriously and see the repercussions of not taking well-being seriously. Yeah, great point. I mean, you have to prioritize it. And, and this goes for whether you're you're working from home or whether you're working from a hub or whether you're you're working in the office nine to five. You just have to find that time where you can prioritize well-being in your day. And for me, whether I'm commuting to the city center or whether I'm working from home, my routine probably stays fairly similar in terms of my, my gym workout is going to be the same time each morning. It's a nice early rise. That's done and dusted. Breakfast with, with the family before I leave or before I bring my daughter to school. And it's you maybe have to be a little bit, bit more cognizant of of your movement throughout the day and your nutrition when you are working from home because you have so many other options and you have less distractions actually. Distractions we usually look at it as a negative when we're in the office, we're trying to get some work done, but it actually leads to a bit more movement throughout the day. So that's one thing we need to be aware of when we're working from home is ensuring we have enough movement throughout the day. And from a nutrition point of view, it's you, you would hope that our, our fridge at home is, is stocked with is healthy, nutritious foods so that are close at hand that we can avail of. And that's not necessarily the case when we're perhaps in the office where maybe the local coffee shop, it, it's the pastries and it's, it's the donuts that are, when we're pressed for time, they're usually what are, what are easily available. Oh, yes, I do know <laughs> that. <laughs> and tell me, I mean, in the work that you do with organizations, do you see that well-being, workplace well-being, and when a company takes it seriously, that it does have an impact on productivity and engagement. I mean, you mentioned it does have an effect, a positive impact on morale, but do you see it generally increase in the productivity of a, of a team or an organization? What are the benefits of, of companies doing this? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I guess fundamentally, the healthier and happier we are, the more productive we are. 
And that also leads to us, we're, we're more present, we're more focused, we're more engaged, but the quality of our work improves. Um, so that's from just from an individual perspective, you know, we're, feeling, we're feeling better about ourselves. From the organization perspective then as well, we're, the happier and healthier the employee is, they're, they're more of a team player. If they're being supported with a healthy work environment, they're more likely to be loyal to that organization. And in the, over the long term, I mean, that's just going to lead to reduced absenteeism, which in itself means increased capacity in the workforce so over the course of, of the year. And this, all this positive outlook and this positive news in, within an organization leads to word of mouth, makes it easier for that organization then to attract and retain talent, which is, which is a huge deal this, uh, in this day and age as we have pretty much uh, full employment in Ireland at the moment. Mm. it's no longer about the salary or the monetary package it's it's no longer just about that sure that's still important but I feel the you know the workforce now they want these benefits they want you know the flexibility they want a company that takes this type of thing seriously well-being seriously and have different processes and benefits and structures in place that supports that Absolutely. And so, you know, as a population, we're, we're that bit more educated and aware, thankfully, on the importance of health and well-being. So it's a real important consideration when we're looking for a future employer. And as you say, it's not just about the salary anymore. Chances are there's similar salaries on offer from a number of different organizations. So the question from the employee or the potential employee now is, does this organization genuinely care about my health and well-being? Are they, is it a tick box well-being program that they have or do they genuinely care about my health and well-being? And that has led to organizations and the growth of the healthy workplace accreditations. So effectively, a stamp of approval for an organization that has gone through a process and demonstrated that they have a long-term commitment to workplace well-being. So we have uh, the Keep Well Mark from IBEC. We also have an accreditation called Healthy Place to Work from the, from the people that brought us Great Place to Work. And soon to be launched as well, there's a government initiative from Healthy Ireland called the Healthy Workplace Framework. So that just gives you an indication of where we've gone, come from in Ireland in the last few years, from zero, if you like, workplace wellbeing accreditations to pretty much three, uh, probably by next year, we'll have three accreditations that Irish organisations can and achieve and demonstrate then to potential candidates that look we are a, we are a healthy place to work we genuinely care about your health and well-being so really po- a really positive step in the Irish market that is so positive that's fantastic yeah. and what about those businesses maybe that are just ticking the box when it comes to their well-being programs or benefits or packages i mean how would you advise that they start taking this a little bit more seriously. You mentioned before going and listening to what your employees have to say and what they want. Is that the first step for any organization or business owner? I, I actually have a, I've developed an eight-step framework for well-being program development. And the very first step on that is the importance of committed leadership or senior management to workplace well-being. So if I'm working with an organization, what I'll do is you know, workshop with the senior management team and get them to understand what workplace well-being is. 
I think education in this area is really important because I have spoken to a number of CEOs who have told me when I've asked, I've asked, you know, have you got a wellbeing program in place? And they've said, oh, yeah, we've got a fantastic program in place. We had uh, on wellbeing day last year, we had a, a basket of fruit and we had a, a talk on mental health. We, we have a wonderful program. So, mm-hmm. uh, so to that CEO, you know, uh, well-intentioned, but understood that that was an is in and of itself uh, was a program. So it's understanding what is a long-term commitment. It's working with CEOs and senior leadership teams to understand that it, it's not just about writing a check and every now and then and having a few ad hoc initiatives. It's uh, well-being should be something as important and as operational as, as a marketing department, uh, as the IT department. So it's bringing the, the senior leadership team on that journey and showing them what what a long-term commitment to work, workplace well-being really looks like. That, that would be the very first mm. step. And I feel like from my experience and, and from the work that I do, I feel like leadership leading by example is incredibly important here. You know, a company can put in a well-being program, but if your leaders are, you know, working 10, 12 hours a day, constantly online, pinging people out of office times, you know, that's, you're not leading by example there. And naturally your team and the workforce will follow that or feel like they have to, to keep up with that. Is that equally as important in the work with the leadership team that you do, that you have to educate them around their healthy habits? Absolutely. That is, that is a very big part of that for very first step. It's the leading by example piece, as you mentioned, and modeling healthy behaviors. Leaders have such an impact on, on the workforce. So they really are role models in that regard. And I think a lot of, a lot of senior leaders can get a, bit, a little bit worried initially when, when I bring this up. They think they need to be kind of running marathons or you know, training for triathlons. It is absolutely not that at all. It's just simply demonstrating healthy behaviors, whether that is getting out for a walk at lunchtime. Maybe it's bringing a healthy, some healthy snacks to work with you. Maybe it's, maybe it's sitting down with your team at lunchtime or a coffee break for a chat. Uh, a great example, a, a former boss of mine used to um, come around to our desks every Friday evening at 5 p.m., maybe even half four, and he'd say, look, guys, I know you're all really, really busy, um, but whatever it is, you've had a good week. It can wait till Monday, so why don't we, why don't we all kind of you know, shut the laptops down for the weekend and, and we'll come back to it again on Monday. It's just kind of those kind of very that. simple uh, habits, behaviors, looking after your mental health, making sure you're getting some physical activity in, demonstrating some good quality nutrition. It's very, very simple steps. And that accountability, I think there's um, there's a great TED Talk. It's called Make It Home for Spaghetti Bolognese. Um, mm. I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah. it's about a lady that worked at an agency. I believe she was in Canada or the U.S., and you know it was it was a busy environment it was a busy organization they were working very late every evening and you know on this particular night she said no I'm, I'm actually going to go home early and make it home for spaghetti bolognese with my partner mm-hmm. and um I, I won't spoil the story but she actually promotes that now it's actually a, you know a theme that she does and a talk that she does for other organizations which which says make it home for a spaghetti bolognese so that means go home to your families spend time with the people around you outside of work work is not everything and I think 
we're, we're living in a world now where we, we realize that a lot more. You know, we realize that it's not just about the work that we do. It's not just about what we produce. It's about, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. And I love the fact that so many leaders especially are promoting that within organizations. I think it's so important because for far too long, we've had leaders who haven't and people get burned out. So I, I love that, you know, your your boss held you accountable back in the day and said, right, you know, half four on a Friday, go home, guys. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it was, it was, it was lovely. We, you know, we had permission. It was kind of like, not that we were been treated like school children or anything, but here was the leader of the organization leading by example. I mean, he was had absolutely no problem going home early, reasonably early on a Friday. It was that very same boss. You, you might see him at, if he had a bit of free time, at 11 a.m. On a, on a Monday morning, he might just nip, uh, run up to the gym upstairs really quickly for a quick workout as well. So it was just those little habits that he was very happy to promote and mm. to lead by example. And I loved it. He had the spaghetti bolognese story as well. You know, to get home, prioritize family. You know, if you're happy, if your relationships are happy and healthy, that's just going to trans translate into the into the workplace as well, no doubt. Definitely. Definitely. So talk to me about, you know, I guess, remote workforces, because I know we said flexible working is an aspect of well-being. However, I found and and you've even mentioned about the importance of finding your own routine when you're working remotely. And I find that, you know, people often say when they start remote working, it's like, yes, this is amazing. You know, I'll get my slippers, I'll get my comfy, mm-hmm. my comfy pants, I'll do my work, I love my job, this is fantastic. And then about two weeks in, they realize, oh, I haven't left the house uh, in a week. You know, I haven't actually mm-hmm. had in-person communication with anybody. I focus so much online. Yeah. Um, and I think while I love remote working and I think there's many benefits, I do think the isolation piece and the well-being piece is really important, especially when we're so connected electronically and through technology. Are you seeing any trends there at the moment? Anything coming up around that in the work you do? Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. It's for working from home is it sounds fantastic in the beginning if, if you're new to it. But I think then if, if people go from one extreme from the office, full time office environment to full time working from home, that can be a little bit of a shock to the system. And the isolation is probably the main issue there. Uh, it can be a challenge when you're not speaking to people and not meeting people regularly. You can feel out of the loop from a, a work and a team perspective. And that's where technology can actually help in, in, in some regards with conference calling, with keeping insu- companies ensuring that those remote workers are kept in the loop as much as possible, involved in all communications. But I've seen some interesting work done by a few organizations that actually go a little bit out of their way to ensure that the remote workforce is included by having a kind of like get to know your remote worker kind of program where once a week there's a 20 minute presentation or a 15 minute presentation from that individual so they're very much part of the thinking they're very much part of the of the planning and and the team building sure they won't be there for the water cooler moments but they are being included very much as much as possible in the communications. And what do you think is important from a company perspective? Because, you know, the, I see companies, they offer gym membership or, mm. you know, certain benefits around physical health. Maybe they might offer 
counseling services as well or sometimes they might you know give a budget towards office furniture so you know make sure that your chair and your desk are ergonomically compatible is there anything else that companies can be looking for that you find is important this goes back to the one of the the earlier points we, we discussed is that there's an awful lot that, that an organization can do to support the well-being of their employees. But what are their employees looking for? Mm. For, one, for one employee, it might be that ergonomic workstation. For another, it might be that ability to work from home every Tuesday. For some person, it might be a, a bit of a gym bunny and they want, that, uh, they want that gym membership. Like That is what they are looking for. I see some organizations now, they don't have a defined... Uh, initiative or intervention that they go with. They go, they just have a budget, 500 euro per year, spend it on everyone, on whatever you like, from massage to gym therapy to state of the art chair. It, it depends on, on the individual employee because you will never, or it's, it's extremely challenging to run out an initiative that every single employee will want to partake in. So it's, it's again listening to the voices. If you're going to be running a company wide program, what are the most popular topics that'll increase your chances of engagement? And then maybe there's scope for some of the smaller individual items then as well. And maybe a, an individual budget might, might sort something out there in that regard. So first of all, definitely the first step is speak to the employees, listen to them, yeah. find out what they want, see if there's any common threads, sure. popular topics, and then look at to see if there's, if there's scope to kind of build in anything I, I do like that idea of giving employees a budget per year. I have worked in, in places that have done that. And yeah, I think, as you said, well-being means uh, something different to everybody, depending on what they want. So exactly. Yeah. Brilliant, Brian. Well, look, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Um, thank you so much. And it's, you know, really been eye-opening for me as well. And very positive. It's It's very mm-hmm. positive that... We are making these changes, you know, in in Ireland especially, and we're taking it seriously as individuals and organizations, and we're holding each other accountable. And I look forward to that only continuing to grow and and develop. Is there anything else you want to add or any information you want to share about any of your upcoming events or where people can reach out and find out a little bit more about you? Um, yeah, I'll just say, so I run a community called Workplace Wellbeing Ireland. We host regular events. They're free events for attendees. And the goal really is to bring people that are interested in this space, whether you're maybe your HR, you're internal to an organization, you're, you're working on or you're looking to work on wellbeing initiatives, or maybe you're external, maybe you're a service provider looking to work with organizations. It's bringing those people together at evening time events, we might have a panel discussion and we might hear from a speaker and it's just a lot of sharing and learning and you know no one person saying they're an absolute expert but we're hearing of some of the challenges being faced some of the lessons learned so it's a really great learning forum so it's workplace wellbeing ireland community on linkedin so anyone is welcome to join that and it's uh, regular nationwide events we're in cork soon enough uh, but regular events in dublin limerick and galway also Great. Brilliant, Brian. And yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic community. I've followed you guys for a while. So I definitely recommend that. And great to hear you're going all around the country as well. Well, look, Brian, thank you so much for being on today. Really appreciate it. And yeah, have a great weekend. Brilliant. Thank you for the opportunity, Shana. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Human Behind the Screen. I hope that you found it beneficial and had lots of key takeaways from today's conversation. Head on over to iTunes and don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast. If you do have any ideas or would like to advertise on this podcast, you can email us directly at podcast at operateremote.com. If you want to learn even more from this podcast and check out the key themes that came up, you can check out our blog at www.operateremote.com forward slash blog. Thanks for listening and talk soon.